All right, how we doing, Grace? Yeah, it would be a lot better if the Buckeyes won last night, right? Tell me about it, all right? And still suffering, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Zach, he's, he's pretty bummed too about the game, you know? We kind of, we're diehard Buckeyes, so not cool, but hey, you know what? We're, we're not here to talk about the Buckeyes, right? We're here to worship Jesus, all right? So we're excited about that this morning. Um, how many of you guys, I didn't get a seat earlier though, with, with the Buckeyes game, you're just gonna admit, I, I might be a little tired this morning, AJ, because I stayed up too late last night. Like you're just, yeah, all right, okay. So we're all in this together, okay? So first hour, man, you know, same thing. A little tired, man, we're excited though about being here this morning. And uh, you know, Zach, he, you know, he actually just threw this off me kind of last second. So he was watching the game last night and he was so upset, right, the Buckeyes lost stressed out, all that. He decided just to push it off on AJ, the student pastor. So just letting you guys know, all right, if this is a flop, you don't have to, you don't, you don't get to blame me. You guys get to take care of the lead pastor afterwards, all right? So no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're, again, we're excited about uh, continuing in our series this morning. We've been in uh, this series, Christmas Changes Everything. And man, it has been, uh, it's been an exciting, exciting time. Uh, and so Zach handed this off to me last week, actually, and said, hey, can you do this? I said, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Uh, just to let you guys know a little bit about myself, if you don't know who I am, I'm the student pastor here at Grace, our Tiffin campus. And uh, just to give a plug for our few student ministries, uh, we meet every single uh, Sunday night, except for tonight and next week. We're taking a break over Christmas. Uh, but we meet every single Sunday night at 5 o'clock, our few student ministries, where uh, we gather, I have... 10 uh, to 12 leaders that are here every single uh, Sunday night that help me with this, whether it's serving pizza or helping them with the games or, you know, just various different things, helping in worship. Um, but we have that time that's for the students, again, to worship and uh, to grow in their relationship with God. And so we, we, we kind of say this, we're about three things at Fuse. Uh, first of all, we want them to grow in their relationship with others, whether they're believers or not, and to bring them along at Fuse, uh, to grow in their relationship with our leaders that we have, again, 10 to 12 trained leaders. Uh, and then most importantly, what we want them to do is to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so that's, that's what we try to do every single Sunday night. So if you've got a student that is 12 to 18 years old, uh, I challenge you to do everything you can to get them here. Um, man, it's, it's a time that's for them uh, to, again, grow in those three ways, but most importantly, in their relationship with God. And so uh, yeah, we uh, want to make sure, again, that students can be here for that and they'll grow in that relationship. Super, uh, very, very important. So uh, that's kind of what I mainly do here. I do some other things with the impact team and outreach and stuff, but that's my main focus. So you guys get to hear from me this morning. But again, Christmas, as we're going through this whole series, it truly does change everything. And we're wrapping up the series. Actually, this morning will be the last one. We'll be going to hindsight is 2020 next week. And uh, kind of surveying over the past three weeks, if you haven't been with us, some of the things that we have looked at um, is uh, we've looked at uh, prophecy in the Old Testament and how throughout the Old Testament, book of Isaiah, uh, we heard about this Messiah, this Jesus coming, and he would be the savior of the world. And uh, again, we looked at that. Uh, Zach did a great job bringing that. And then uh, we looked at some other things with the Christmas story that I would say, Zach, he kind of debunked, debunked everything that I think the American culture says about uh, about the Christmas story, uh, whether it's the nativity scene, you know, he, uh, 
he obviously his wife just had little Lizzie, and uh, he shared with us, if you guys remember, all right, some pretty gruesome details that go into that and uh, into the whole, the birth there. And so he uh, shared that it probably debunked the idea that it was not a silent night, okay? We get that, all right? How many guys have kids, all right? Like myself, okay, you guys understand, all right? Uh, It is, yeah, not necessarily a silent night, but we do know this, that it was, it was an awesome night because it was the night, the day that God, Emmanuel, came to us, the form of a servant, man, to be our savior and lived a perfect life for 33 and a half years and died for our sins. And we found out that it was good news. And Zach even talked about that a little bit last week, that this, this news, or we talked about this last week, that this news, it, it's good news. And, and some of us, we may have heard the story of Christianity uh, maybe from, you know, a family or religion or, or we're forced into or whatever, and we've never seen that this is good news. We've never seen the story of Jesus as good news. Well, last week we looked at, man, the original news, and it, was, it wasn't just good. It was, it was great news. Salvation to everybody by God sending Jesus to be our Savior. And that's, that's kind of where, where we've, we've looked at over the past few weeks. And then uh, we, we transition in today and we're gonna talk about really our response to Jesus at Christmas time and, and, and what that looks like. And I, I think we'll see that it's really important in, in Matthew chapter two, uh, we'll see that, man, there's different responses that people have to Christmas. Um, last week, Zach, you guys, you guys were here last week. Do you remember hearing Zach's most embarrassing story of all times? You guys remember that? That was like, that was great, right? So, this week I'm, I'm prepping up and I'm thinking, man, I've got an embarrassing story that's kind of, it, it's a, just to be honest with you guys, it's, it's a little scary, all right? It's a little freaky and I don't, can anybody, everybody just agree with me, you're not gonna judge me. Can we get that? Going across the room, nobody's gonna judge me. Okay, so, all right, good, I'm glad. All right, so, uh, you know, me and my wife, Marissa, uh, we had, we're, it was about 10 years ago, uh, we were in college we were working uh, crazy amounts of hours and had no kids at the time. We were newlyweds, all right, excited about that relationship. And uh, we, had, we had decided uh, we, that there was a night that we had off at college. It was a Friday night and decided, hey, you know, let's, let's go out on a date. Let's go out on a date. We're to have a good time. And so we're going to go out on a date. And uh, now, mind you, we're in college. We're living the high life, right? We're excited about stuff, okay? Uh, only been married for a couple months. And we, uh, we decided this night off, we'd go out to eat, and, uh, you know, after work, I'd come back to our, again, we're living the high life, come back to an uh, awesome house, okay, that would be uh, my trailer, single wide trailer. Um, but by the way, uh, the, the, the trailer was, it was, I don't know how to say this, it, it was, I, again, it was great for us, we loved it. But there was a, let's say it like this, there was a hole in the floor we didn't know about, Okay, a massive, it was, about, it was about that big. And when we were looking at the house, or looking at the trailer, the owner covered the hole up with a rug, which I thought was interesting. So, but yeah, it was, it was our place though, we loved it. Uh, had, we, we were living high, we had, a, had an awesome car, had a great car, had a, a Chevy Cavalier, 1995, uh, manual, it was a coupe, you know, two door, 260,000 miles, you know, but it was my car, you know, it was my car, and I, I liked it a lot, all right? So we get home from, uh, or we, uh, we get ready to go out and uh, head out the door, get about halfway to the restaurant. Now, guys, 
just hear me out for a second, okay? Newlyweds, okay? As a newlywed man, there's one thing you can't do, okay? You cannot let your wife pay for the meal, okay? We got that, like, you cannot let your wife take care of the meal. So I'm halfway there, and I realize something. I'm like, oh, where's my wallet? It's gone. So what do I do? I, I do what you should do, right? I don't tell my wife, ask my wife, hey, can you pay for it? Now, it would be different now, okay? It would be different now. I would probably ask her, hey, yeah, you got the card? We good to go? Okay. But I can't do that. I got I to gotta be responsible, right? I can't be irresponsible. So I'm like, all right, babe, we got to turn around and go back to the house. All right, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got to go back. I forgot my wallet. All right, no big deal. Turn around, head back. And we pull into my drive. Now, our drive actually came up to the, the right side of our trailer, ended right the right side, okay? And so I pull in the drive, and at this point, Again, we've already, we've already been driving for like 15, 20 minutes. You had to come back halfway, all that. And I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm, I'm wanting to eat. So I'm not thinking about a lot of things, okay, clearly for what I'm about to tell you. So I, I get, we pull up the drive, and it's faced at the end of the trailer. And all I do is I jump out super quick, and I, I run up to the porch, throw open the screen door, and I'm, I'm getting ready to like, I, my hand's on the door handle, right? I'm ready to turn the door handle. I'm thinking, not, all I think about is food at this point. And all that I hear Marissa do is scream to the top of her lungs. Like, ah, she's screaming. And I look over and she's in the passenger seat. It's my, my new bride in the passenger seat of my awesome Cavalier. And I see it going into my trailer. All right? And so... I, I dive off the porch, and I jump in the, the driver's seat, and slam on the clutch and brake, and I kid you not, the base of the trailer was like six inches from decapitating us, okay? So, not trying to be too graphic here, just throwing you out, that's what happened, and uh, you know, I, 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 again, I'm responding how I feel like I should, quick, it had to be a very quick response at the moment, um, after I heard Marissa scream, go over there, stop it. Okay, we're good to go. And uh, I actually somewhat had the car fixed. But after that, for like the next two years that I had the car, people would always ask me why the front end was messed up. And I had to tell that story, all right? So th that being said, though, me and Marissa, we responded in different ways, right? So Marissa, ladies, in the passenger seat, sitting there, screaming, just willing to go, just, you know, not going to try to do anything, right? She's just sitting there and screaming as she's going at the bottom of the trailer. And I had a different response, right? See my bride, and I have to, have to fix the problem. And so jump in. Yeah, and so I said that to say this. Uh, we all respond in different ways. Our response, usually it tells us something deeper, about, uh, about ourselves or inside. Now, if I didn't care or love my wife, if when you know, that happened, if I didn't you know, care about the trailer being destroyed, I didn't care about the car being destroyed and all the money that had to go with it, maybe my results would have changed, all right? But I didn't because I love my wife and uh, you know, didn't want to have to obviously pay for all that for the car, trailer, and all that fun stuff, all right? And this... this said that to say this, uh, a lot can be said about our relationship with Jesus based 
in our response this Christmas. Like a lot can be said about our relationship with Jesus and how we respond to the Christmas story each and every year. Uh, in our series, Christmas Changes Everything, we've looked at how, again, Emmanuel, that is, that is God with us, he came to us. And Matthew 121b actually tells us this. He came to us for this purpose. Because he will save his people from their sins. See, that's the whole entire purpose around why Jesus came. Why he came in the form of a servant and was was born in a manger. Whole reason around that, why he died on the cross for our sins was again that he could come and save us from the thing that we messed up and the thing that we do and we sin. See, Christmas, it should change the way that we respond to Jesus because it's good news, as we've talked about last week. Man, the gospel, it's great news. But what we'll find out is this, is, and we'll look at this today in Matthew chapter two, is people, again, hear the Christmas story and respond in such a different way. And so we're gonna look at this morning uh, out of Matthew chapter two, and we'll notice, first of all, in verse number uh, one to three, Notice what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, notice this, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, notice what they say. Hey, where's this Jesus? Where is he who's been born? This is the king of the Jews. For we saw a star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, First, first people want to kind of, the group of people want to talk about is these wise men. Uh, these wise men, also known, you guys might have heard, known as the Magi. Uh, they uh, were super smart people. They were astrologers. They studied the stars. Uh, but they came for the one purpose of this. They came to Jerusalem to seek Jesus. They had heard about this Messiah and they wanted to find him. Now, uh, if you'd study out where these wise men were from, most people believe they're from Persia, which would be like modern day Iran. And so the trip from uh, Iran, where they were at, right, to uh, Bethlehem, where they would end up and they would find this King Jesus, would be roughly around eight to 900 miles. So they, they traveled all that distance again in search to find this baby Jesus that would be a, f- a few months old by the time they found him. All right, now, real quick, all right, so. These men, as I said, they've got a lot of money, all right? Uh, and we know they travel like 900 miles, okay? And thinking about, I just, I had to figure this out, okay? They probably didn't walk. They probably traveled on a camel or donkey. So real quick, anybody in here own a camel or a donkey at all? No one? Okay, all right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys something, okay? I'm gonna teach you something real quick. So did you know that camels and donkeys travel at three miles per hour? All right, aren't you glad you don't have to ride a camel to go to different Christmases and stuff? I mean, 900 miles on an animal, it it would have taken a very, very long time, and I'm sure they were excited when they got to see Jesus. After that long, long caravan, that long ride, uh, with, again, these wise men going to see Jesus. Uh, These these wise men, they had studied, apparently, the book of Daniel, and they knew this Jesus would would be coming, um, tradition tells us that uh, these wise men, there's only three of them, but that's only what tradition says. That's actually not proven. Um, many people base that off of them just bringing the three gifts. But uh, it, it's possible that it could have been a whole entire caravan of 12 to even as many as, as uh, 20 uh, different wise men. 
And they come for the important reason, again, as I mentioned earlier, to see Jesus in Jerusalem, which is the epicenter of the Jewish faith. I mean, it's, it's, it's where you go to find out about the Jewish faith. And so they come here, and interestingly, as the verse says, Herod, he finds out about them coming, like they're unannounced, they're not, they're not telling people, hey, we're coming to Jerusalem. They come to Jerusalem, and King Herod kind of hears in town a little bit about them being there, what they're there for, and so he goes and he approaches them. Now, uh, my family and myself, we're, we're actually, in a few months here, we're getting ready to go to D.C. and uh, go see... Capitol Building, Arlington, go drive by the White House and all that fun stuff. We like history. Uh, but when I, when, I, when I go there, I'm, I'm pretty sure that President Trump, the President of the United States of America, he's not going to be coming and meeting me, right? I'm not that important, okay? But these wise men, they're greeted by the king, King Herod, the guy that ruled over Jerusalem, the most important guy, I guess you'd say, in Jerusalem is King Herod, and he comes to them and he meets them. These guys were important. And notice, notice what happens next, verses four to eight. It says, Herod, so he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. And this, notice what they say. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And they're going back to uh, Micah, a small book in the Old Testament that talks about Jesus being born. And they say this, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler, which is Jesus, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, notice, notice this, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, hey, come back to me. Report back to me so that I can go and I can worship him. Herod, he, he comes to these wise men. He finds out why they're there. And it's interesting who this king, again, this ruler of Jerusalem, it's interesting who he goes to. He goes to the religious leaders. He goes to the guys that would know more about the Bible than anybody else. He goes to the people that are the, I'm talking the elite of the elite. I mean, these dudes, they've got verses memorized. They've got chapters of books memorized. They've got whole entire books memorized. I mean, they know it all. They even teach it. But yeah, it's interesting that they never go worship Jesus. In fact, they don't only not go worship him, they, they, don't even, they don't even try to look for Jesus. Bethlehem is only, it's only around like six miles from Jerusalem. So it's, you know, if you're riding the camel, it's not that far. Right? If you're walking, it's not that far. I mean, think about it in perspective here. The wise men, they travel 900 miles to see Jesus, but these guys, these religious leaders that know the, the Bible, they won't even go and look for this Jesus six miles away. Man. So these guys, these religious leaders, they know he's born in Bethlehem, but they choose not to go and not even to look and to worship this Jesus. And then not, uh, Daniel 9, 24 to 27, which is several verses that they know, 
actually gives the, the time frame that Jesus, this Messiah, would be born. And yet, what do they do? They choose, choose not to go. Again, they know the time Jesus is born. They know where he's born, but they refuse to go. After this, uh, Herod, he tells the wise men where this Messiah is born. So they ask, you know, hey, where's he at? Herod comes back to them and says, hey, this, uh, this Jesus, he's born in Bethlehem. And then the end of that verse, it, it's intriguing. Herod says this, yeah, tell, come back and tell me where he's at because I want to go and I want to worship him. So up until this point, to me, and probably to most of us, we didn't know anything else about Herod, it seems like he's a pretty okay guy. I mean, he's just like the wise men, right? He wants to go and see Jesus. He wants to go and check him out. He wants to worship this king. He wants to worship this Messiah. But most of us know the Christmas story. That's not the case. In fact, when Herod, he hears about this Jesus coming to the earth and that he's born, he's gonna be the king of kings and the lord of lords, how does he respond to the Christmas story? He responds with resistance. He responds with pushback. He responds with, uh, you know, opposition, hostility toward this message. See, Herod the Great was, was a, a term, he was, you know, he was titled Herod the Great by other leaders, and it wasn't because he was a great guy, okay? It was not at all because he was great. In fact, it was a total opposite. He was a terrible, terrible person. In fact, just a couple stories to tell you how terrible he was. He had his wife and his three sons executed because he thought that they were trying to take over uh, his throne. But the sad thing is, they were actually proven, went on trial, and they were actually proven to be innocent, but he just decided, yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. They're trying to do it anyways. So he had him killed. Had his own mother-in-law killed. Had his brother-in-law killed. Augustus Caesar, it's, it's recorded in history, they actually said this. He said that it was better to be Herod's dog than to be his son. That tells you how terrible of a person he was. Herod was a sick individual, but it's interesting. He apparently had believed that this Jesus, this king, this, this infant would come and be king to the point that he was scared of him. I mean, he was fearful of him to the point that he actually does something crazy and he actually has, in Matthew 2.16, we'll pull this up, he actually uh, has the babies uh, in, in Bethlehem killed. It says, then Herod, when he realized that he had been uh, outwitted by the wise men, uh, flew into rage. Oh, I got the wrong verse there. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 23.3. My bad, guys. All right, he gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. It's interesting what he does. He has, again, all these babies, all these babies, they're, they're killed. Now, can you, just, just, just think about this. Can you imagine someone as a parent coming to your house and having your two-year-old baby boy killed? I mean, officers, think about it, coming to your house and demanding. I mean, that's the, that's the power this guy had. Demanding, hey, give me your child. Give me your child right now. I'm gonna kill him and leave him on the doorstep. I mean, that's how bad this guy was. He was obsessed with power. And most of us, we think, yeah, you know, AJ, I would never do that. That's not something that I would do. And I would say, I, I would hope not, and most obviously we wouldn't. 
But it's interesting how this really relates to our heart. You see, a better question maybe to ask is, why was Herod wanting to kill baby Jesus? Why was he wanting to do that? Well, it's because he was obsessed with power. He wanted to rule. He wanted to control his own destiny. He wanted to control his own life. And, you know, you may be a person here that you may be someone that doesn't, you don't believe in Jesus. You've not, what we say here, you've not made the decision to follow Jesus. You've not decided on Jesus. You've never given your life to Christ. And it, it may be, and I don't know, but it may be because you want to control your own life. You don't want Jesus to be the only way to heaven. You see, our hearts, though our actions are not the same, our hearts are somewhat similar in that we resist God. God has a plan for us. God wants us to come to know him as our savior, but yet we resist him. So with Herod, we see him, he responds really in, in total hostility and, and, and completely pushed back and again resist, resisting the Christmas story. But there's another group of people we mentioned and that's the religious leaders. Uh, the religious leaders, again, they respond to this message of Jesus really with indifference. That is really just a lack of interest, a lack of desire. These leaders, now think about this again, what I said earlier. They know the Old Testament scriptures more than anybody. They've studied them. They're the people that should know everything about the Bible, and really they do. And to this Christmas story, they respond with, eh, a lack of interest. They respond, in fact, you see them throughout the Bible, these religious leaders, they respond to this multiple, multiple times. Actually, if you can pull up uh, our next verse. This is what Jesus says to uh, he's, he's talking to a group of people, and he's talking about the religious leaders. And notice, this is what he says about them, about these religious leaders. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. So hold up, real quick. If we don't read the rest of this verse, we would say, okay, these religious leaders, there's Jesus is saying, hey, do what they say, observe it. Whatever they say to do is the right thing to do. But notice the next part. But don't do what they do, because they don't practice what they do. They teach. These religious leaders, they respond to the Christmas story and, and really the story of Jesus, the story of the gospel with indifference all throughout the Bible. For a believer, if we don't want to respond with indifference this Christmas season or our entire lives, and there's some things we have to do. We have to be intentional about our relationship with Jesus. We have to be intentional about spending time with God every day, prayer, reading the Bible. We have to be intentional about growing in our relationship with Jesus. And, and I mean, I think that we, we get this. At Christmas time, like I, I was talking to some people before first hour on the atrium about uh, just, man, how we have Christmas here and Christmas there and we're, we're all over the place. We're everywhere doing different things with family and we can kind of get caught up and not focusing on what, the, what really the main reason is for the season, which is Jesus coming in the form of man, again, to save us from our sins. That's the story of the Christmas message. That's the message of the Christmas story, is that Jesus, again, Emmanuel, God, came to save us from our sins. And we can get caught up in so many things at Christmas time, parties and different things for work, different things with family, that we, we are not intentional 
and you guys get it, it's, it's a busy time. We've got to respond this Christmas time with being intentional if we don't want to be indifferent or have a lack of interest at Christmas season. Maybe another way that, again, the religious leaders that they responded in indifference was uh, they felt like they were good enough. They felt like they did not need Jesus. They felt like, hey, we're good to go. But again, that would defeat, really, the whole purpose of why Christ came. He came because we needed a Savior. And then lastly, we're going to spend mo- the most amount of our time this morning talking about this last group is the wise men and their response to Jesus. And I love this. They respond with joy and worship. Look what it says, Matthew 2, 9 to 12. Uh, After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were, notice this, overwhelmed, excited with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. And they went, uh, and then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. All right, so here's the deal, right? These guys have been traveling for 900 miles, okay? They've been going along, traveling, 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 trying to get this King Jesus on their camels that, remember, they only travel three miles an hour, so it takes forever. And they are excited about finally getting to the end of their trip. Now, <clears throat> I've got family that's way out west in Kansas, in the dead center of Kansas. My uh, Marissa's family is out there in Salina, Kansas, which is actually, it's about 900 miles just completely, you know, straight west of here. And we'll go back there about once a year and go and see her family. And I can tell you this, after taking that trip multiple, multiple, multiple times, I can tell you that with uh, my kiddos in the back making a ton of noise, you know, ready to be done with the trip, that I, once I get to like kind of close to that destination of Salina, I get excited. Like when I cross the Missouri and the Kansas border, I know that I've, you know, I've only got like three hours left, right? So I'm, I'm home, right? Like I'm, I'm getting close. I know when I get to Topeka, there are 100 miles left. I know when I get to Junction City, I got 40 miles left, and then I'm there and I hit Salina at mile marker 250. I mean, my star is mile marker 250, okay? I know that I'm too, and just to be honest with you, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, off of I-70. Like, that's where we're at. And so, that being said, it's the same way with, I'm sure, these, uh, the, uh, the Magi, the wise men, they were excited to finally be at their destination. They were, exci- they were joyful, but that's not the main reason why they're joyful. I mean, the main reason that they're joyful is this, is that they would meet the Messiah, Again, travel for months to find months to, to finally get to this place where they would see the Messiah. And they're filled with joy because they know they're about to meet the Savior. They're about to meet the one who would bring salvation to the Jew and also to the Greek. Bring salvation to the Jew and to the Gentile. That's people like us. These wise men, they were excited, they were joyful about this news. But they don't simply stop there. They're excited and they're joyful when they see Jesus, but they continue with, with this joy and they, they actually worship Jesus by bring, kneeling before him and bringing him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they, they lay those before him. Now, the gifts that they brought, 
um, I'm sure that those gifts uh, went on to do, uh, went on to be a huge blessing for uh, Mary and Joseph as they traveled and as they lived. And I'm sure they, they were a huge financial help. Uh, but in perspective, we think about this, we're talking about Jesus, the Messiah, who's been in heaven. And I don't think there's any earthly treasures that we can give Jesus, man, that match the treasures of heaven. Except for one thing. And notice this. It's, it's really, it's the whole reason why he came. John three sixteen, a verse that all of us, we've heard multiple times, uh, whether it was in a church service or whether it was a part of a, you know, a story our parents read us at nighttime. It's the whole reason, again, why Jesus came. Notice what it says. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Greatest gift that we can give this Christmas season is our hearts. I mean, if we're not a believer, we've never made that decision to follow Jesus Man, the greatest response that we have to the Christmas story is giving our heart to Jesus. You know, he, God, he responded to, to our sin, to our problem. He responded to us by giving his son Jesus. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. To the Christmas story, what is our response? And we've heard for the past four weeks, man, Christmas, it changes everything. We've seen how the Bible's been true and it's prophesied this Jesus coming being our savior in this Christmas season, we have to ask ourselves this, what will be our response? What is our response to Christmas story? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for, again, your word. We thank you, God, for this place that we can come and we can worship. God, we thank you for the Christmas season. Um, God, and, and all, everything that goes with it, being able to be with our family, being able to be with our friends, and uh, being able to just uh, gather with them, and all that. But God, beyond that, as we've seen the past four weeks, God, what we really celebrate this season, and what we're excited about this season, uh, God, it's so much more than that. And it's, it's this, it's the fact that Jesus came to us because we needed a Savior, God, Christmas truly changes everything. God, it doesn't just change our life here. God, it should change the rest of our eternity. So God, I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, as we just continue our, our faith journey. Uh, God, if, if there's someone that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that, God, they would find a pastor afterwards and would ask them about deciding on Jesus, we pray. Lord, we thank you for all you've done. We ask this in your son's name, amen.